0: Uh, it's a pleasure to have you. What we do is we gather as a community of women, we worship the Lord together, uh, and then we hear a little bit from God's Word, and then we break up into tables uh, to have time processing what we learned and to share prayer requests with one another. So that's kind of how the evening's going to go. So I'm going to start us off. My name is Coley. I have a few announcements for us, um, and then we'll dive into our text for today. But um, a few announcements for us first. First is that we have coffee and tea in the back for you. So if you are chilled, and thirsty. Feel free to go whenever you'd like. It's always available to you. Um, we also offer free childcare every single week. Uh, it's one of the, the things that we do in our ministry. So if you have children and you're like, hey, I need a night off, or my husband needs a night off, or I want to bring them, awesome. Uh, we just ask that you would register first so that we know uh, and have enough childcare workers to watch your little ones. So uh, welcome to use free childcare. We just ask that you pick them up exactly at 9 2 so that our workers can get home and study if they are students. Um, If you are new, and this is your first time in women's Bible study, uh, what happens is after we do a little talk together, um, I invite you towards the front, and I I play professional matchmaker. It's like a coffee meets bagel, bumble, boom situation, where I find you, hopefully, the table of your dreams. And so I'm going to ask every single leader who has space at their table to come down here, and if you're newer visiting, I'm going to ask you to come down here, and our goal is to get you into community, because the the word of God is so much more rich when we study it in community, and we hear from others, and we process with others, and we pray with others. So if this is your first time, uh, don't worry if you don't have a table. We will find a table for you, and if you're a leader that's like, I know I have space, come on down so I can I can do the matchmaking. Uh, and just a reminder to all of our leaders, they already know this, but I'm just gonna remind you, uh, every time when you leave, we ask that you just grab your little name tag and the offering envelope and bring it down. You can leave the stands and everything else because we have Bible study tomorrow morning, but just grab your little name tag and the Offering and bring it down and put it in the low bucket, that helps us tremendously. So thank you, leaders. Um. Oh, and this is good news too that I had to put in little pen notes. We are gonna start uh, doing bake sales during Bible study to support students who want to go to Hume. So they're not here tonight, but next week we'll hopefully have a young up and coming little pupper who has made us some treats. So bring your little cash for some goodies if you wanna support the kids and also eat the calories. So uh, that should start next week. So uh, I wanna welcome anyone who's joining us online. Thank you so much for being with us. Uh, just a few more announcements for us. every single week at. Uh, women's Bible study, we take an offering. It just helps us pay for books. It helps us pay for childcare, tech, the whole spiel. And because we're super tech forward, which you guys know about us, we got a QR code because people were saying, I don't carry cash on me. So on the back of your leader's name tag, there is a QR code. So if you're like, hey, I want to give, but I don't have a cash or check, you just scan that little puppy and you just upload a couple hundred. So uh <laughs> No, just in all seriousness, Bible study is free, there is no obligation to give, but if you feel led and you want to, there's a QR code uh, for you to do so, or there's a little envelope that we pass around every week uh, just a way for you if you'd like to give something, but no obligation. Um, If you have not heard, these beautiful little things on your seat are an invitation for you to be with us on the mountain. Uh, We have not had retreats now for three years because of the pandemic, and so we are finally back. We're going up the mountain. We're going to San Bernardino, Forest Home. It's going to be awesome. On um, March 8th through 10th, we currently have 295 women registered, and we have 400 spaces. So if you do the math, we're almost 75% full. So if you're sitting there and it's like, oh, I might go, I don't know, like maybe I'll register last minute, I want to highly encourage you not to register last minute, uh, but to reserve your space today. It's an awesome time for us to be together. We have worship. We have games. Uh, we get to be in God's word. And it's just a retreat from the city and the beauty of creation, and Forest Home is is beautiful so I uh, want to invite you to join us and invite a friend if you've never gone it's going to be fun um, two more brief announcements for us. Uh, we as a women's ministry team are going to the living room in Kenya this fall, 2024. We are opening up a trip to go visit Julie Boyd, one of our missionaries who speaks every year at CA. Uh, we have only seven spaces available. That's not our choice. It's just the living room uh, is a hospice center that takes care of the dying and those in need in Africa. And they can only house seven people, including one of our leaders. So uh, application is open till January 19th. So I want to encourage you, Uh, some of you have asked me over the years, when are we going to the living room? I want to go. This is your chance to apply, Uh, and based on how many applications we get, we're going to see if it can be a subsequent trip in the years to come. So if you don't get in this year, uh, we hope to do multiple trips over there, because I know a lot of you have a heart and want to see uh, what God's doing over in Kenya. So I encourage you to apply if that's something on your heart, and if you don't get in this time, I encourage you to just keep praying, because we want to see multiple trips in the future to go there. And last but not least, uh, we have a class offering called Hurting Moms, Uh, and this is for any mom who has children that are making decisions, maybe that you don't agree with, maybe outside of God's will, uh, maybe they've gone their own way. This is just a support group for women. It's going to start on January 25th. It's at 7 o'clock, and you can find more information about that on the website. But I want to invite any moms that are in that season uh, just to know that you're not alone in that, and there's a community of support for you in that. And last but not least, I want to do a shout-out uh, to our dear friend, Shiho. Shiho designed this cover. Um, and so the beauty with your this session, we did a little uh, coloring book for you because we are doing what appears to be stories this season. And we know some of you like to doodle, so we gave you a little space uh, to create your masterpiece. So shout-out to Shiho, who made this for us and yours designs, the company that uh, her and her friends started to design Bibles and journals that help sorry, journals that help women enter God's word. So that's a lot of announcements. You get them all? (laughs) Awesome, all right. Let me pray, and then we will dive into why we're all here. Dun-da-da-da, the book of Jonah. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for who you are. God, I just thank you for your goodness. I thank you that you are always chasing after us, God, whether we are aware of it, whether we feel it or not, Father, your love is continuing to pursue us, God, in all seasons and stages, and so, God, for for any woman in this room that does not know your love yet, I pray that you just open your arms wide and receive her tonight, Father. Uh, I pray for women who are going through hard seasons. Uh, Would this be a resting place for them, Father? And I pray for women as they gather around tables. I just pray that we can be honest enough to share our hearts and listen to each other and pray for one another and walk through seasons uh, with other women, Lord. So we thank you for the gift of getting to study your word. We know that people all over the world are persecuted for gathering together, and yet we have the freedom here in the States to openly worship Jesus Christ the King. And so we thank you, and we praise you, and we give you all the glory, and we ask that you'd speak a special word uh, to each person here tonight. In Jesus' name, everyone said Amen. Amen. Friends, it's so good to be back with you. I've been out for a little bit. Um, I had a little baby girl named Ollie Bear. Her name's Ollie Grace. We call her Ollie Bear. Uh, so I missed the whole last Esther se- series, but I uh, have nothing but amazing praises to give to Jill and Tanya and Kathy and Allison who spoke. Can we just give it up for their amazing teachings? They did amazing I'm bummed that I couldn't be here in person with you, but we are doing this whole year. We're doing this story series, and the reason that we're doing that is because our God is the master storyteller. He created the most beautiful story in all creation. He spoke creation into existence in Genesis, and then throughout the Bible, a, a book with 66 stories within it, we see the unfolding unfailing plans of a loving God to rescue his people. That is the story of God. And the beauty is you and I in our brokenness and our weakness and our humanity and our gifts and in our talents and in all of our past mistakes, you and I are invited to participate in the story of God together. And so we're studying stories this session because we're going to explore how God has used other people in hopes that we get a little glimpse of how might God want to use you and me for the bigger work that he's doing in the world. So that's the invitation that is laid out before all of us in the story series. And this story of Jonah, uh, I think, Studying Jonah, it's, it's such a beautiful story. It's a sarcastic story. It's an ironic story. It's one of the most brilliant stories in the Bible. And so I hope over our next today, the next five weeks, that you and I get to unpack what God wants to show us in the book of Jonah. And we're going to learn that there's maybe a little bit of Jonah in each of us, if we're willing to admit that. So when we look at Jonah, we're going to be looking a little bit at ourselves. And ultimately, we're going to be looking at the goodness and the mercy, and the compassion, and the grace of a God who chases after us and saves us. So that's where we're going uh, tonight. Um, I like when we do a story series. I like when you all go home put on your jammies, and you start reading the Bible from the first words. You don't just hear it from me. It's like you and Jesus are entering the word together. So you're going to start reading the first chapter this next week, and what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to set the stage for you to read it. So we're going to do some history. We're going to do a little background. We're going to kind of frame it up. It's like in a softball, like I'm I'm going to lob you the pitch, and then you start, and you just crank it out of there with your reading, okay? It's a whole four chapters, So you're going to need to cancel a lot of your social plans to get through this, okay? We're doing about six verses a week. So I think I believe in you. I think you can do this. Uh, It's going to be great. But to start us off, just wondering, has anyone ever heard as a kid of the story of Jonah? Anybody? Yeah, yeah. I think most of us, whether we grew up in the church or not, the story of Jonah is an infamous story because it's this heroic tale of God sending a fish to swallow a man, and then he lives in the belly of the fish for three days, and God delivers him out of it. So, the problem with the story of Jonah is when we look at it through a childlike lens, is that sometimes we can miss the point of the story, right? Sometimes that great big fish kind of takes center stage, and we forget what God's really doing in the story and in the background. And the reality is, the book of the Word of the Lord is never it was never meant to entertain us, although it is entertaining in their stories in their life. The book of the Bible, God's word, was meant to inform how we live and why we live, and it's supposed to inform who we are, and so my hope is when we dive into the book of Jonah together, we're going to dig a little bit deeper than just a big whale swallowing a man. We're going to dig into the backstory, and really the backstory of Jonah is Jonah's heart, and why he ran away from the Lord, and the Lord's compassion to pursue Jonah again, and again, and again. So that's what we're going to study. We're going to unpack that together, Um, and I think it's going to be fun, because Who doesn't love a good story, right? Two of you. Okay, awesome. (laughs) Um, So... Uh, Elements of the story. Sometimes I include this in the beginning, but I thought it'd be easier just to talk it out with you. So if you're a note taker, there should be a little section in the book for you to take notes. No pressure to, but if you like to write, uh, there is space to do that. Um, But the timeline of this story. So this story, the story of Jonah, occurs around 760 BC. Uh, And so this predates the fall of the Northern Kingdom in 722. Now, why is this important? The fall of the Northern Kingdom in 722 is when 10 of the tribes of Israel are Wiped out by Assyria. And the story that we're studying today takes place, it's in a city called Nineveh, which is the capital of Assyria. So where God calls Jonah to preach is the kingdom that's about to destroy and wreak havoc in Israel 40 years down the line. So this takes place before Isra- uh, Assyria takes over um, and breaks up the tribes of Of Israel. So our main character in this story is Jonah. And what's fascinating about this is Jonah is the only character named in this entire book. You will not find another name in the book, including the king of Assyria, who is the world's superpower at the time. So it'd be like telling a story about Joe Schmo and it takes place in America and he's up against the American government and we don't mention the president. Like the king of Assyria is not named, but Jonah is named. And what's different about this book than every other book in the Bible, at least every other book about a prophet, is that this is not a story about Jonah's prophecy. This is a story about the prophet Jonah. Do you see the difference? This is not the word that the Lord gave Jonah and he writes the book and he tells the story. This is a story about Jonah in particular. So we're putting a prophet on the stage and we're examining his life. Now, a prophet is somebody who was sent to deliver a message from the Lord. So normally, the books of prophecy are primarily about not the messenger, but about the message they've been given. But in the book of Jonah, we're highlighted, who is this prophet, right? That's who we're studying. Not so much the message, she was given, although there is one line of prophecy in the book. We're really trying to study who is this character um, that God said. So I'm going to give us a little pretext for this. Uh, Jonah, this is not the first time Jonah's mentioned in the Bible, nor is it the last time Jonah's mentioned. So I'm going to bring us back to 2 Kings, uh, and we're going to read where Jonah first is introduced in the story of God. So 2 Kings 14, 23 through 25 says this, in the 15th year of Amaziah, son of Joshua, king of Judah, Jeroboam, son of Jeho- Je- Jehosha? you know, king of Israel, became king in Samaria, and he reigned 41 years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn away from any of the sins of Jeroboam, son of Nebat, which he had caused Israel to commit. He was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Labo Hamath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through the servant Jonah, that's our guy, son of Amadi, or Amidi, or Amiditai, you, you decide. The prophet from gath Heifer. So that was a lot of words I couldn't say. But long story short, we see Jonah. And what's happening here is that Jonah comes on the scene as a prophet. And he comes to prophesy to the king at the time, who is Jeroboam, Jeroboam II. And Jeroboam II is not a good man. He's an evil man. He has set up uh, rival temples to compete with the Lord. And so he is there competing with God's word, trying to establish his own kingdom. And what happens is Jonah, the servant, Jonah comes and prophesies favorably for the bad king. He said, oh, God will give you the land. It's, everything is going to be good. You're going to be blessed. So Jonah messed up. Jonah did not speak truth to this person. And so when, when a, somebody in Israel would be reading this story, when they start the story and they say, this is a story about Jonah, that would cue your head to be like, oh, the guy who messed up, the guy who didn't do good, the guy who made a mistake, the guy who went against God's word to give the king the words that he wanted to hear. So the reader, the audience would instantly know Jonah, whereas you and I are like, Jonah, that's a cute boy's name. I like that. Yeah, it's cute. They would know instantly that we're referring to the guy in 2 Kings who gave who prophesied wrong and blessed essentially the enemy and not, did not deliver the word of God. Now, Amos is a prophet who came along and later corrected uh, his prophecy. But G- Jonah basically dropped uh, The bad news, and then, or the good news to the bad guy. So that's what should cue our mind when we're reading this: is Jonah already has a history. Jonah already has a reputation. Jonah's not a nobody in the book that just comes on the scene. It's like we know him, and we know he's already made mistakes, which kind of makes him the perfect character for our story. So, whenever we read the Bible, it's helpful to know uh, what when we're reading a book what genre the book falls under. Have any of you ever built IKEA furniture? Okay, so when you go to IKEA and you buy something, it's up to you to build it. Ain't nobody coming home with you, ain't nobody sending you the full thing made, you gotta build it. So there's these little pamphlets, you get in, it's like an instruction manual with some visuals, and you get down on your hands and knees and you try to build it, right? That's an instruction manual. So you and I would not go to the bookstore and be like, oh, poetry. This, this would help me build the cabinet and grab a Pablo Nerudo and get home and read and think, ah, then build it. We read genres for certain reasons. And so the genre that the book of Jonah falls under, ironically, is the genre of satire. Does anyone know what satire is? I'm going to read the definition in case you don't. Satire is defined as the use of humor, irony, exaggeration, or ridicule to expose and criticize people's vices follies, abuses, and shortcomings, often with the intent of exposing or shaming the perceived flaws of individuals, corporations, governments, or society itself into improvement. Although satire is usually meant to be humorous, its greater purpose is often constructive social criticism, using wit to draw attention to both particular and wider issues. So when we read the Book of Jonah, we're not getting necessarily an instruction manual. We're not reading poetry where it's emotions and favor, we're reading a satire, which is really highlighting all of Jonah's flaws for the main purpose of helping us see our own flaws. So it's easy sometimes to read the book of Jonah and be like, what was he thinking? How could he do that? You know, Or like, how silly, or whatever. Like, how, I wonder how he felt in the belly of the whale. But really, the book of Jonah is meant to be for us to see ourselves. So, little baby Ollie, uh, her favorite toy, or one of them currently, is a little mirror. Yep, this is, this is one of her favorite little things. Uh, she loves to look in the mirror, and she has no idea who she's looking at, right? So we put the mirror up there, and she goes back and forth from smiling and, and being concerned and smiling and being concerned. She has no idea what she's looking at, it, but she's fascinated at the mirror, right? She likes to see in the reflection. Now, you and I, on the other hand, we, when we go to a mirror we know what we're looking for, right? Jill and I were in the bathroom today in a different part of campus and there was a full-length mirror that I had never really been in and I was like, oh, Jill, this ain't pretty. <laughs> I don't normally get the full view. I don't have full-length mirrors in my house, so I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen all of me for a while, uh, but it was not, not pretty. So when we look in a mirror, we know what we're looking at. And really what the book of Jonah is set up to do is it's set up to be a mirror For you and I to view ourselves, to view our shortcomings, to view our weaknesses, to view our disobedience, to view our running away from God in light of the God who forgives and saves. And so what I'm going to encourage you and I to do as we read the book of Jonah, I don't think I need that, Uh, I'm going to encourage you and I to be honest with ourselves to give ourselves the grace and the freedom and the expanse to see ourselves in Jonah and and to admit in a safe space filled with the Lord's grace that none of us are perfect, that all of us on some level are running away from a good and perfect God. So that's what I want to invite us into as we read the book of Jonah. So instead of putting it all on Jonah, like, man, this guy does not get it, I want us to kind of pull out that mirror in the, in the privacy and the confidentiality of your own heart and your prayer time with Jesus, I want you to take the mirror and say, Jesus, where am I missing you? Where am I not seeing myself? Where am I assuming the problem is everybody else around me? And really, it's me. That's the invitation of Jonah, to hold up the mirror and to see the mirror. Um, So that's one thing that we're going to be looking at, and we'll reflect on that almost every week of where do you see yourself in the story. So that's the way the book of um, Jonah is written. It's a satire, and it's it's ironic and witty and humorous because people at the time knew who Jonah was. So when Jonah does something wrong or crazy, all the people that would be reading this are like, oh, Jonah, not again, you know? It's a the word great is used 15 times in the text. So everything's exaggerated. Everything's big. Everything's an example, an illustration for you and I to find ourselves in the pieces of it. So, pay attention to that when you're reading. The author we don't know who the author of Jonah is. Uh, it's anonymous. There are two views about who wrote the book of Jonah, or two views about how we can read Jonah. So I'm going to give you both of them. The first one is uh, the author received a historical account of Jonah. So some people believe the book of Jonah was an actual historical story that happened. Somebody witnessed it, and they recorded everything they saw and told Jonah's story. Now, the other camp would argue that it is a parable, It's a story that illustrates a point that didn't actually happen. So both, there are theologians on both sides of the story that have beliefs in this. Um, And so I'm gonna pose that to you of what do you think the story is. I will tell you my opinion. Um, I believe that the story actually happened because Jonah is named not only in the Old Testament, but he's named in the New Testament by Jesus himself. Jesus refers to Jonah and the story. And so in my head, i think i think again this is a, there's really strong scholars and theologians that believe both but i think that it would have been more clear if it was meant to be a parable that jesus would refer to it as the parable of jonah and not the incident of jonah so i want to read to you in matthew 12 38 through 41 where jesus refers to jonah It says, Then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered him, Jesus, saying, Teacher, we wish to see a sign from you. But he answered them, An evil and adulterous generation seeks for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. So if you don't already know this, the whole Bible, the whole world, the whole earth, everything at the end of the day is about Jesus. And the book of Jonah is no different. We see in Jonah, as he goes into the whale for three days and three nights, this is to foreshadow Jesus Christ taking on our sin, going into the belly of the earth, before he resurrects and dies for our sins. So Jonah is a foretaste, a foreshadow of what Jesus will come to do in his time on earth. So those are the two views that I hold before you uh, and I ask you to consider which one you believe or which one makes the most sense to you and discern that with the Lord. But so the purpose of the book the purpose of the book of Jonah. Uh, you and I live in a world that has a very strong narrative about how we should live. And it has a little something to do with the word I. It's about, right, it's about me. It's about you. What do you like? What do you want? How do you think you should live? You do whatever you wanna do. You do you, I'll do me. You look great in that, and nothing, like, nothing's wrong. You can just do whatever you wanna do. Do whatever feels right. That is the narrative of our world, that whether we admit it or not, we're bombarded with every single day. In advertisements, in decisions, in rules, in even laws, everything is about you do you and I'll do me, and we won't cross paths. I mean, well, the goal is to not judge each other, but just to do whatever you want. That is not the narrative of the Bible. The narrative of the Bible is that there is a sovereign God who created all mankind, that you and I were born with identity, we were born with purpose, we were born with value, we were born with worth, and Jesus Christ came and died for us, so we are not our own. We were bought at a price, and the goal of the Christian faith is not to do whatever you think, whatever you feel, whatever you want, it's to do whatever the author, the creator, has designed you to do. It's to live according to his roadmap, and the Bible is a roadmap for us. It's meant to keep us safe. And so you and I get the decision every single day, if we will take on the world's narrative, I do what I want, when I want, however I want, Or if we take on God's narrative, I am made with intention and value and purpose. And my goal, my job is obedience to Christ. I want to serve him. Those are the two narratives that you and I battle every single day. And so the point of this book is to help us find our own place in this as we watch Jonah struggle to make his own way, right? We watch Jonah run away from the call on his life. He said, hey, that's not the vision that I had for my life. So I'm going to go the direction I want to go. I'm going the opposite of what God says. And so often you and I, we have the freedom in Christ to make those decisions. God does not force our hand. God does not stiff arm us into obedience. It's a choice that you and I get to make. And so one of the things that we will see in this story, and I will ask you, is whose worldview are you living in today? whose worldview are you living for? When you're honest with yourself, are you living for yourself or are you living for God? Because the plans that we have for our life, if we're honest, are often very different from the plans that God has for us. Myself, I thought I was gonna marry Macaulay Culkin. I thought it was a done deal. Fell in love with him watching Home Alone. It was it, it was written in the stars. I wanted to come to Hollywood, marry him. I thought we'd live in multiple mansions. You know, I just thought I'd have a Barbie car. There's a lot of things that I thought would be a certain way. And that is not how my life turned out, right? Right but we all have an image, we all have an idea of what we think our life will be like. And it might shift in every season, but you and I have this vision of, this is the life I want. This is how I want my family to look. This is how I want to look. This is the comfort I'd like to establish for everyone around me, right? But when we serve God, when you and I are invited to follow Jesus, the first thing that he invites us to do is to let go of that, is to let go of our plans, our hopes, our dreams that to better ourselves or our family, or our community, to surrender those and to trust that his plans for us are better than our plans for ourselves. And that's a hard, that's no easy thing to do, but that is the call of the Christian faith. Um, Matthew 1625 says it like this forever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. And so you and I, in wrestling with the book of Jonah, will be confronted with the same question. And it's not, friends, it's not just the big picture. It's not just the job you take or if you move across the country. It's in the little daily decisions. How will you respond to someone who cuts you off in traffic? How will you respond to somebody who says mean things about you, about a friend on social media? How will you act when someone betrays you? How will you forgive when someone you love hurts you? How will you spend your time, your money, your resources, your energy? Where will they go? Will they be into going to build your empire or will they be for God's kingdom to serve his empire? These are little decisions that you and I will wrestle with every single day. And the book of Jonah, again, in that mere demonstration, it puts that in front of us. Whose kingdom are you serving? Are you serving yours or are you serving God's? And here's the reality. None of us can see the whole picture, right? So when we're making decisions, we're looking at half a lens of like, God, I don't think I can make it to point C, so I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna control what I can. But God, God is sovereign. God knows everything. So when he invites you and I to do something, he already knows the provision that he's gonna give us to get there. You and I can't see it, but he can, 1 Corinthians 13:8 through 12 uh, is the famous story about love, the quote about love, the truth about love. I'm going to pick it up at the end. It says, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease, and where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears." See, this is a recognition that you and I don't hold all the cards. We don't hold all the pieces. We don't know everything. So when you and I are making decisions about our life and our purpose and our identity, they're in a small little vacuum because you and I can't see the big picture. But God can see the big picture. God can see, he saw you when he knit you together in your mother's womb, he knows every single day of your life, your days are numbered, he knows how many hairs are on your head, and so when God asks you to do something, you might not be able to see where it's going to go, but God does. God's not surprised by anything. God makes a way where there's no way. And the, the art, the joy of following Jesus is that trusting hand of saying, God, I don't know where this is going. I don't know how this is gonna end, but I trust you. I trust you. If you send me here, I will go. If you ask me to do this, I will do it. Not because I have the foresight to know how it's gonna unfold, but because you do, and I know that your goodness is chasing after me, and it's chasing after others too. So often, our obedience to Christ is really to bless those that don't know Jesus. Does anyone in here know somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus that you kind of wish knew Jesus? All right. I think a few of us, right? When we are obedient, we get to sometimes be the answered prayers for people who are praying for someone who doesn't know Jesus. So if I have a dear friend that I want to experience the hope, the promise of Jesus, I pray and pray and say, God, like, would you send somebody it, besides me, I've, I've told her about Jesus. Would you send somebody else? Would she have an encounter with you? So I'm praying, and somebody else's obedience could be the answer to my prayer, the person that ministers to my friend, the person that is kind to my friends. So often, you and I, our obedience, is an answer to someone else's prayer. And so sometimes we think, oh, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter if God told me to give money to the kingdom offering and I spent it on a trip, I'm happier. When I'm happier, everyone's happier, right? We can always justify anything that we want, right? But we never know who was praying for that trip, who needed that $25 in Ecuador, who needed that financial break. We don't know. We don't ever see in full. We only see in part. So one of the offerings of Jonah is that you and I get to trust that God knows what he's doing on the other side. So how do we apply this? Uh, one of the big lessons that we'll learn right away is that you and I cannot outrun God. Spoiler alert. Has anyone tried? Oh, I think we. I think if we we're honest, if we think if we sat in a circle and talked about stories, we all got stories of us running from the Lord. And some people might say, "Well, Coley, God's never told me anything so clearly as to go to a different city and preach." And it doesn't have to be anything clear. We know just by His law, God commands us to love our neighbors, to forgive our enemies to be kind to those who are not kind to us, to be humble. God tells us all the things that we know to do that sometimes it, when it's not comfortable or convenient, we're like, peace out, I'm gonna do my own thing, right? All of us can run from God in attitudes, in actions, in mind space, in heart space. Uh, this is the call for all of us is to be honest about what we're running from and let God come in. Um, and so I wanna ask you as we start the book of Jonah, do you know what you're running from? Do you know? Because some people do and some people don't. Sometimes we're just going through the daily motions. Sometimes the pain is too deep that we don't, really wanna, we don't really wanna tap it or go back there. Sometimes the fear of the future is so strong that we don't actually wanna speak it into existence So we're just kind of avoiding some part of our life and we don't know if we'd say it's running or avoiding it we don't wanna talk about it because then we gotta think about it, right? There is something in all of our lives that we are either running from or avoiding That if God asks you to confront it, friends, it is only for your good and the good of those around you. So that's one of the questions we're going to ask is, what are you running from? And the opposite of that is, what great adventure or fullness of life are you missing from running from God? We will see in the story of Jonah, Jonah does not want the city of Nineveh to have a chance to repent because those are his enemies. He doesn't want the Lord to be gracious with them. But when Jonah goes in and preaches the message God sends him to give and the Ninevites repent, God spares them. So Jonah does not want to do the will of the Lord, but when he does it, even with a begrudging heart, he saves thousands of lives that God would have otherwise destroyed. God has good plans on the other side of whatever he's asking you to be obedient in. Will you and I be people who are surrendered enough to let him use us for the good of others? That's the invitation. Um, But I want to read Psalm 139. Uh, Some of you will know it pretty well. But it says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me, So this is the beautiful hope that I wanna give you tonight is that you and I cannot outrun God, we cannot hide from God, and that is not a scary thing. That is a beautiful thing, that we have a God who knows us in all of our junk, in all of our brokenness, and yet still wants to be in relationship with us, still wants his goodness to cover us, still wants to bless us, still wants to use us. That's vulnerability. When God wants to know us and love us at our worst, that's the invitation that's before us. And some of us were raised that if there's something wrong with us or broken, we just got to cover up and either fix it before anyone else can see. Otherwise, no one will love us. That's a lie when it comes to Jesus. Jesus loves you. He died for you exactly as you are. And he wants you to be able to bring him anything that you're struggling with. If it's a call to, to minister to the Ninevites or if it's a call to love your enemy, whatever it is, God wants to meet you in that spot and minister to you there. Um, I was at I was at LAX the other day. Has anyone ever been to One World Way? <laughs> the worst experience in my life, Um, it's a little bit chaotic if you've never been to the airport because there's not too many lanes and there's 8,000 people that are trying to use them and there's a lot of aggressive drivers. And so a tip that I found is that I stay to the far left lane because everyone's trying to merge and pick up their people on the right and I just try to skirt by there. So the other day I was trying to skirt by there and trying to get, you know, get out and get back to my life and the problem with the left lane is if you don't get out of it fast enough, it'll loop you again. Right? So you're, here I am. I got my plans. I'm like, I'm getting in the fast. Lane, I'm getting out of here. You know, I, gotta, I got stuff to do. And I'm cruising. I'm like, ooh, you guys don't know the system. You know, I'm blowing by people. Well, then all of a sudden this surgence of people pulls in. I can't get over. And I loop around again. Right? This is honestly the story of our disobedience. You and I are just trying to get ahead. We're trying to get away from God. We're trying to get our own plans figured out. We're not doing the hard work. We're not doing the slow work. We're just trying to speed by. And what happens is it can loop you into a life that keeps going round and round and round and round. Disobedience can get us stuck in a loop that day after month after year becomes our life. And the invitation of Jonah is to name what it is that we're running them repent of it. Say, I'm done, Lord. I'm done being my own God. I'm done chasing after things that you don't have for me. I surrender to you, and I want to live for your glory. That is the invitation of Jonah. Let's pray. God, we want to be people. That are attuned to what you have for us, Lord. And so, right now, I just pray over every woman in this room. I think sometimes the lie that we can believe is that you're mad at us, God, and you want to discipline us harshly, or that you're going to call us to something so awful, so unfortunate that we're not going to be able to survive it. So, I just want to dispel those lies right now. You are a loving and compassionate God who's tender. With your children. You, sent, you sacrificed your own son for us, Lord, so there's nothing that you wouldn't do for us. So for anybody who's experienced God as harsh or condemning or alienating, um, I want to invite you to consider the God of love and mercy and compassion who sees you. And I also want us to consider that God knows what's best for you what's truly best for you. Not what your flesh wants in the moment, not what would feel good, but God knows your end story and the end game and everything in all creation. And so Lord, we pray today, would you give us even a glimpse to see the goodness of the hard things that you're inviting us to, God? So often we can justify why we're running from you, but really, whatever you invite us to, God, is for our good and for the good of the whole world, God, and those around us. So Lord, we invite you in this Jonah series. Would you give us tender hearts? Would you give us eyes to see the way that we're running from you, God? And would we, would we just in meekness, God, in honesty, would we be able to surrender and say, I don't want to run anymore. I want, I want what you want for me because I know at the end of the day it's best. And so Lord, I bless each woman that's in this room as she reads the book of Jonah. Would you show up, God? would you show her the goodness that you have for her? And would you help her and empower her to say yes to what you're calling her to, and knowing it is the best thing for her story and our story, Father, and your story? So we surrender to you today. We love you, Jesus. Would you be with us as we go to our groups now? In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen, friends. Um, It is 7.55. If you need a group, I'm going to invite you to come down to this side of the stage. And if you are a leader with space, I'm going to invite you to come down here. And then the matchmaking begins. (laughs) Blessings on you as you go.